Hello, Letterman Row watchers, listeners, fans, readers, whatever you are. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Buyers Automotive. Uh, again, if you're looking for a new car in Columbus area, head over to Buyers Auto and uh, check out their selection, buyersauto.com. They have pretty much anything you could ever look for when it comes to a car uh, in central Ohio. On the other line with me, as usual, Spencer Holbrook. We are talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting. Um, and Spencer, I'm just going to take this a different way to start because right now, um, the February dead period is almost over. We've almost made it. It's now February 26th. And um, after almost four weeks of, of a recruiting dead period, we've gotten to the point where March is upon us uh, at the end of the week. Visits can start up again. Ohio State is certainly going to take advantage of that with a lot of big-name prospects uh, that we've been highlighting on Letterman Row over the last month, getting ready to get into town. Um, but I still feel like the dead period has been especially dead for people. Uh, and, and I want to open it up to you as the the voice of the fan on this show and the eyes and and uh, ears of a, of a different perspective, I guess. What do you want to talk about, Spencer? What type of stuff do you want to talk about? Well, Berm, we focused so much on the 2020 class and who joined it, and we didn't really talk about, you know, some of the misses. And that's that's one of the biggest things when it comes to recruiting is, you know, the, what you miss on in 2020, it, it really affects what you're going to go after in 2021. True. I think I think we can dive in a little bit and uh, break down some of these misses because uh, there were a couple of them that, that really stand out uh, from this 2020 class that are going to shape the way the Buckeyes do things in 2021. And you're starting to see what they're doing in 2021 already is is shaped by, you know, what had happened in the last cycle. I think what's really interesting about that, Spencer, is that when you look at the 2020 recruiting class, there almost appeared to be two different classes, right? There was the one that was building with um, – Jake Ray and Legend Cavazos and Jack Miller at the beginning of the process when all those guys committed while Urban Meyer was still the head coach. And then Urban Meyer retired in December of 2019. There was this gap um, of, you know, guys trying to figure out what was going on, where they were leaning, what was happening, what was changing. And when that happened, when the Buckeyes came out of the other end of that gap, uh, of that tunnel, I guess, it was like a different class. Obviously, Cavazos had decommitted before recommitting. Jake Ray ended up leaving the class. Jack Miller sort of um, stepped out of the spotlight, I guess, and, and became more of a background figure in the class for a while until the end. And th then you had all these new names. But what we also had, as you alluded to, was a lot of names that we talked about a ton in the summer of 2018, and the 2018 season that ended up being just non-starters uh, when it came to Ohio State football recruiting discussion because there just ended up being no interest um, when things really got down to the nitty-gritty. So hit me. Who, who are the guys that you're thinking of that you're like, oh, what the hell happened there? Well, the first one that you kind of have to point to is Rakeem – is not Rakeem. We'll get there. Mikhail Sherman. You have to talk about Mikhail Sherman. I think we can kind of lump in Rakeem Jarrett with him because they were – high school teammates, but Mikhail Sherman is the second ranked offensive lineman, offensive line outside linebacker in the class. He ended up signing with Georgia. Uh, he was a, at one time, you know, a, almost, it seemed like it almost seemed like he was a silent commit to the Buckeyes. There was so much momentum there. And then it all just kind of died down and he ended up going South to Georgia. I think it's really interesting. 
uh, what what happened in his recruitment. I think you can kind of walk us through a little more of what happened there. Well, I mean, I, I guess you're right. I mean, we can talk about Raheem Jarrett. We can also talk about Trey, uh, Trey Williams if we really want to lump that Washington uh, St. John's College um, trio together. But Sherman was was a guy who was extremely close with Urban Meyer, and I, ironically, because most people have so many uh, negatives to say about former linebacker coach Bill Davis. Sherman really liked Bill Davis. And those two had a really good relationship. And then Mikhail uh, tore his ACL in, in early in his junior season. Things kind of got, I don't know, lost in the mix there for, for him in Ohio State. When Urban Meyer retired, it's like the, the thing completely shifted. He did make an Ohio State official visit, and he got to know Ryan Day. Uh, but during that visit, things were just off. Ohio State, um, I, I got actually a phone call from a source at Ohio State during the visit saying that they basically were not going to continue to recruit him despite the fact that he was on campus, which, you know, I, I mean, you can take those things with a grain of salt because you wonder, like, hey, maybe they're saying this because they know that he's going to end up at Georgia. But the, the reality is that there was a, a personality shift that happened uh, between Ohio State and and Sherman and his sister, who was very involved in his recruitment, uh, had become very close with the staff at Georgia and sort of seemed to be pushing him toward the Bulldogs um, after their interest in him really pe- picked up. And what happens is that Urban Meyer leaves, the relationship falls apart, Ryan Day and Mikhail Sherman just didn't hit it off the same way. Um, and, and Ohio State had, at that point, begun turning the focus to linebackers like Court Williams and Cody Simon, uh, Mitchell Melton, who they had started to get to know that they they really went a different direction. And some of that was because of the fact that Sherman's knee was in a spot where I don't know if they felt like he wasn't going to ever get back to 100%. Some of that was just the personality split between Meyer and, and Day and the way that they responded to Sherman and his sister and the family. But it was clear before he ever left his Ohio State official visit that that relationship was dead uh, at that time. It's, it's certainly interesting, and I think I think like you said, we can lump these these high school guys in together because they're from the same high school. And I think Trey Williams is another one who's really interesting. Um, I'm actually looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this one because a uh, quick glance at his 24/7 profile, he had four crystal balls throughout his recruiting process, and we've talked about the crystal ball a lot. And again, we think it's actually a good thing. Sure, but despite what anyone would say, um, all four of his crystal balls still on 24/7 were geared toward Ohio State, even when he committed to Clemson and signed with Clemson. Um, it's just really interesting that the momentum seemed to be in Ohio State's favor for Trey Williams, and then all of a sudden it was not. In covering recruiting, there's this uh, thing that happens sometimes. There is a tendency for analysts, writers, bloggers, everyone who's doing this, to pay a ton of attention to what kids say, which obviously makes sense, right? I mean, we're talking to these kids on a, on a regular basis. But a lot of times what a kid or their family is saying may not match up with what a staff is thinking. Uh, Trey Williams made his his visit to Ohio State, his first visit in the summer. I'm sorry, back in uh, the Michigan game in 2017, I believe, with Sherman, with Rakeem Jarrett, with that group. And he really liked Ohio State. He really wanted to play for Larry Johnson. He made a visit again in the summer of 2018 with Mikhail Sherman and Rakeem Jarrett. And the Buckeyes were recruiting him, but it wasn't a situation where it ever, ever 
elevated to that point of like they they have to go get this kid or they really like loved what they saw on tape and i don't know exactly why that is i've seen some of trey williams tape and i thought he was great i've heard great things about him at different camps around the country where he dominated against some of the best of the best but there was this disparity between the perception of ohio state's interest and what actually was ohio state's interest and when he committed to clemson it was simply because Clemson was giving him way more attention and way more love than the Ohio state coaching staff. And I, I don't want to say they didn't, they just didn't want him and they stopped recruiting him essentially opening the door for other schools and Clemson. um, If they're recruiting you, obviously they're one of the two or three schools that's on par with Ohio state across the country. He had no hesitation or reluctance from their coaching staff and jumped on the opportunity and took it. Yeah, and, you know, that that's pretty interesting to me. It's just I think momentum is is uh, something that we, we talk about a lot because it's so important in recruiting, but at the same time, every once in a while, you know, the momentum is almost like a smoke signal. Uh, it, does, it doesn't really mean any fires happening. It just means that there's a little bit of smoke there. So I, I think well, kids, some of these kid, recruitment – Kids liked the spots where they visited last. That I mean, that, that's not a uh, – it's not rocket surgery. You know what I mean? Like it, kids visit a school. They talk about that school. They have a great visit. Very rarely do you have the things like the Mikhail Sherman official visit, like I said, where something is just off and you get a, a an alert basically saying, hey, this is not going to happen. Most of the time, if a kid's on campus, his feelings when he leaves are pretty positive. And the relationship and, and the way that Larry Johnson is and the way he recruits, the things with Trey Williams, they were never negative. They never didn't like him. They loved who he was as a kid, but they just weren't sure about where he was as a football player. And when you had Teron Vincent and Tommy Togiai and all these other uh, defensive tackles who were freshmen at Ohio State at the time that he was being recruited, the, the need for a true defensive tackle in the class of, of 2020 sort of went the way of the dodo bird. I mean, they have Ty Hamilton and, and Jacoby Cowan and, and Darion Henry, but they're all kind of tweeners there wasn't like a true three tech or or in Trey Williams case a one tech where you see a guy that you know exactly where he's going to be plug him in the middle that's not what the Buckeyes were looking for in that class and that you know it in the beginning it seemed like it was just a oh well we don't really like what he does but as it evolved you can see that it was a matter of just simple uh recruiting priority of what they wanted to find in that class and it wasn't that position and and like I said, it, it leads to what, what it comes in the next couple classes, and that 2021 class is just an absolute crucial class for the defensive line for Ohio State because of what happened and what transpired in 2020. Yeah, now they're they're definitely looking for two to three defensive tackles in the class of 2021. Um, they've already started that with Michael Hall, and then you know they're, they're pushing for a couple of the big-time guys around the country. But you know, like I said, sometimes the need is just not there, and it doesn't match up with the players who are really most interested in your school. Then you all have the, the flip side of that, right, with Rakeem Jarrett, the five-star wide receiver from St. John's College, who Ohio State did want and um, wanted very badly. And there was multiple times in the part of his recruitment uh, at the same summer of 2018 where, where Jarrett was telling people privately and publicly that he was going to commit to Ohio State. He just needed to get his mom on campus so that she could be there with him. His mom is from Canton. His mom was a, a big Ohio State fan. His mom was pulling for him to go to Ohio State, but they didn't want to make any decisions until she visited. Ohio State took an, a, a commitment from uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and then G. Scott. You knew they wanted wide receivers. 
They wanted an inside wide receiver. That's why they eventually went after Mookie Cooper. But at some point, there there was just this philosophy shift, and it it coincides with Urban Meyer's retirement is really when things started to shift there. But I don't think it had anything to do with that. Ryan Day and Brian Hartline wanted Raheem Jarrett. Raheem Jarrett just wanted to play the recruiting game to a level that Ohio State was simply not going to play. I mean, I his mom continued to reach out to, to Ohio State staff members when he was committed to LSU saying, you know, I, I want him to go visit you guys. I want him to go see you. And, you know, Rakeem's message was pretty common. I can't get there. I don't have any way to get to Ohio State. But yet he was making visits to every single school in the SEC during a one-week stretch last February. And so Ohio State staff members and the football program basically said, hey, this kid's not serious about Ohio State. And at that point, they started to go out and find kids who were serious, not just about Ohio State, but who seemed more serious and more intent in the recruiting process. That led them to guys like Mookie Cooper. But it also, you know, Julian Fleming's recruitment at that point started to shift around. And there was just no real reason to continue to chase a wild goose that Rakeem Jarrett was. And, I mean, obviously he commits to LSU, was committed there for almost a year, and then says he's not going to sign on signing day in December, but then signs with Maryland that day. So it, it, that that game playing never stopped even up until, you know, the minute that he signed a letter of intent and sent it into the staff at Maryland where more power to him. I mean, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. And, and if he can be what Stephon Diggs was for Maryland, um, you know, for Mike Loxley, maybe he can provide that sort of spark and, and inspire more of these local kids to stay home. Ohio State obviously is recruiting the hell out of Maryland still in the class of 2021, especially on the defensive line with Monkel Goodwine and Damian Robinson and Marcus Bradley, blah, blah, blah. So that Washington, D.C. trio um, was fascinating because there was a moment when each one of them was very publicly and expressively in private saying, I want to go to Ohio State. I'm planning on committing to the Buckeyes. And then poof, it just all kind of disappeared. None, none of the three ended up there, and I think that's that's one of the more interesting things. And and you see Ohio State go after clusters from different schools from time to time. Uh, I know you've got some stuff uh, on the website from Wednesday about about West Bloomfield, Michigan. Um, obviously, the the uh, Cincinnati-Princeton duo and, and could have been trio had Jaheim Thomas been a fit at Ohio State. Uh, it's just interesting when they go after these pockets of kids from the same school, uh, what transpires. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about Jaheim Thomas if certainly today or another time as well, but what, what happens again, sometimes just what, what is being said publicly doesn't match up with what's being, uh, true in evaluation and, or, uh, private discussion when it comes to the staff and these players and, uh, college, programs can't talk about who they're recruiting. You know what I mean? So yeah. the the players and their families and the coaches of these players have a lot of power when it comes to the actual uh, recruiting process and attention because you can reach out and say, hey, this team is recruiting me. And unless somebody uh, in the recruiting analyst side of things is actually very dialed in with their coaching staff or connected to them, you can't really find out who's real and who's not. And uh, because the kids and their coaches have the power, but they also have every incentive to tell media, oh, Ohio State's recruiting me, right? Ohio State offered. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You have every incentive to do that now, unless you get found out that it's not true. And that's happened a few times in the past as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what makes this recruiting thing so interesting. And, and it's what makes it, um, something that can hold people's interest through a month long period where there's no actual recruiting happening other than phone calls. So, um, I, I think it's endlessly interesting to talk about. The things that didn't happen, because as you said, a lot of times recruiting is not about who you got. It's about who you didn't get. And it's about how the, how those guys that you didn't get play out. Urban Meyer in his career at Ohio State had a remarkable run of success where it seemed like the guys that that Ohio State was going to get that they didn't end up getting for whatever reason never really panned out too much. And uh, the replacements always seemed to be a better fit for the Buckeyes. Will that happen in, in, with the 2020 group? That's the interesting thing to watch. There are just a couple, you know, you, you can talk about misses from past years, but there are very few misses that you could point to from the Urban Meyer era. Yeah, I mean, and, who, and who's I, a miss? Think, right, exactly. I mean, Jackson Carmen, I, I still guess you consider him a miss for a number of reasons, uh, being from Ohio, being a top-ranked, you know, five-star offensive lineman. But, you know, they did replace him with a player who was actually ranked higher than him and Nicholas Petit-Frere. At this point, uh, Petit Fair hasn't panned out like Jackson Carmen did at Clemson, but you don't know how that would have worked out at Ohio State. He wouldn't have had a chance to probably play as a as a sophomore like he did at Clemson. So uh, these things um, have a way of just rotating and, and coming around. So we'll see this year with Petit Frere if if that replacement ends up being as valuable as the guy they lost. One of the only other misses I could think of from the Urban Meyer era would be Christian Kirk, and I know I, I could get you onto oh. a huge rant about him. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the only misses, and I think Ryan Day is going to have a similar trajectory. Maybe this first class he could see a couple guys uh, pan out at other schools and say, oh, that's a miss, a surefire miss for Ohio State in the 2020 class. But after that, I, I think now that the ball is rolling with Ryan Day, it's going to be really hard to find very many misses in the next few classes. So I think if the Buckeyes uh, – want a kid i think it's going to be pretty hard to get him away from him. well especially inside of ohio i mean that's the way it should be but there's always going to be guys that you wonder like what went wrong there brian brise if we're staying in maryland's another one like i mean he was the number one ranked player in in his class and a player that when he first popped onto the recruiting scene back in the summer of 2017 all he could talk about was ohio state and his relationship with larry johnson and the way the buckeyes were producing defensive linemen but by the time like his sophomore season of high school ended, the Buckeyes were down to fourth or fifth on that list pretty certainly, and they never really had a chance. I mean, he visited us still a couple times more, but there was never a real interest at that point between Rose and Ohio State because he just didn't seem to want to go to Ohio State. He loved Clemson. He loved Penn State. And um, there's no one that that's a fault there. I mean, is that a miss? Probably. I mean, I guess you consider it a miss, a miss because they recruited him and they wanted him, but – Sometimes kids just want to go elsewhere. Well, I mean, if you, if you want to call it that, then, you know, every number one overall player ever has been a miss for Ohio State because they've obviously wanted them and they've been in the conversation for a lot of them, but they've never gotten one. Well, I, I just think, yeah, not we, since 2008, we, we should, not since Terrell Pryor, should, of course. We should set a parameter on, on what, a, what a miss is. We need to get a uh, show-wide parameter on what a miss but, is. Well, but that's the problem. You can't do that because you just simply there's so much nuance and so much gray area in recruiting that it, it's very easy. I mean, uh, again, uh, maybe not easy for everyone. I, I'm fortunate to have um, insight into things that some people don't, but 
you once once you know if they're actually being recruited or not, it offers offer means nothing, right? So like being recruited um, is different than being offered and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I, 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 I again, I love talking about just the inner workings of recruiting and um, for people watching this episode or listening to this episode of talking stuff brought to you by Briars automotive. Um, you, you know, you may not hear anything that's uh, going to blow your mind or change your perspective about recruiting, but what Spencer and I are trying to do really is to just open up a dialogue about what, what the business of recruiting is. And yeah, occasionally, obviously we want to talk about specifics and we want to discuss what's happening on a day-to-day basis at Ohio state, but sometimes there's just not a whole lot happening. Yeah. And what is happening though, Burb is, is Ohio state's setting up a mega weekend. It appears um, um, for June. Yeah. Right now it looks like June 12th weekend is, is shaping up to last year, Ohio state. If you remember uh, in June had a huge recruiting weekend where they had 16 official visitors um, that was when, you know, J- Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba and G. Scott and Legend Cavazos and Cameron Martinez and Grant Uton and Darion Henry and Paris Johnson, all those guys were there for their official visits at the same time or for visits at the same time, not official visits, all of them. But that's sort of shaping up to be the the huge weekend for the Buckeyes. I, I think it's June 12th. That's when you're going to see. Ben Chrisman, Donovan Jackson, Jagger Burton, J.C. Latham, Tristan Lee, all these guys uh, ending up back on campus together. And it's really going to be sort of, you know, we talk about how how the Buckeyes have uh, gone away from the huge junior weekends and stuff like that in in the winter. Uh, And now because Friday Night Lights really isn't what they uh, imagined it would be or what it used to be because so many kids want to visit but not camp. Now they're just turning that that idea into something totally different, which is get everyone together, spend that time just socializing with each other, barbecues, hanging out, playing games, spending a weekend um, building bonds as opposed to competing like they used to um, on Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it's really interesting the way Ryan Day is approaching all this. And we've talked about it a lot, how, how he wants to be different from the way Urban Meyer used to approach it. But to have these big, I call them fellowship you know, weekends, we could even start to call them like Buckeye retreats. Cause that's what it seems like they yeah. are Yeah, absolutely. to retreat. It's just a big sales pitch um, really for a weekend. And you get the best guys that you can on campus and see, you know, if they bond well together and if they don't, then you, I guess you kind of move on and, and find out who, who really wants to be on campus because those official visits in the summer are becoming just as important as the official visits on game weekends, especially well, because, yeah, I think, know, the, the, I think they're more important. The re- the recruiting weekend of the Penn State game was really eye-opening, and it should be eye-opening for every for most fans. And I think that's just because, uh, you know, that Penn State weekend that was a huge game. Ohio State had to have that game to win the Big Ten East, and that was not an easy game. And Ryan Day and the coaching staff did not have much time to recruit those guys and talk to them while they were on campus. Meanwhile, when you have a weekend like you have in June, and you can convince guys to take that official visit, one of those five official visits in June rather than in November. You've got the entire weekend open to you where you can just sit down and, and lay everything out rather than try and coach, coach a football game. Yeah, and Monday's edition of uh, Dotting the Eyes on LettermanRow.com, I wrote about that actually um, because I'd spoken to Derek Davis's father, Derek Davis Sr., about that very thing. They're planning on taking their official visits in the, in the summer. And they know that there's a, a give and take. When you don't visit in the in the fall, maybe you miss some of the excitement of a game day atmosphere and that kind of stuff. But most of these kids, especially kids who are local like Davis being just outside of Pittsburgh, um, he's had an opportunity to be there for game day visits before. He knows what it's about. 
what they don't know what it's about is is finding a way to, on those those weekends to to really get a, a taste of what it's like to be a, a student at Ohio State, what it's like to go and and deal with you know the the student uh, services and academics and that kind of stuff. So they're really wanting to turn that focus and make that more of a of a of a summer thing because it provides them just a different opportunity to get close to people uh, in a different way. And I I, I want to be clear, I don't think that it's necessarily I think Ohio State, even now, and Ryan Day would love to have a weekend like Friday Night Lights used to be, where kids would come in and compete their butts off for a night, and then they'd spend a couple, uh, spend a day or two in Columbus doing the same thing. But right now, kids just don't want to come in and compete, especially the elite kids across the country that Ohio State's recruiting. These kids don't feel like they need to come in and show off what they can do. Um, and that's just the new way of recruiting. Kids just don't necessarily believe that they should come into camp. And plus, so many of those visits were happening in July when Ohio State used to run Friday Night Lights that it was backing up right against kids' uh, own, their high school camps and, and when they were starting their their senior season. So, like, they weren't risking coming in and getting hurt at Friday Night Lights or whatever. So now that there's a whole July dead period like there is in February, I don't know. I, mean, I would personally think that Ohio State would push to try to have a Friday Night Lights camp at the third week of June, but that's just uh, my opinion. I think also these these June weekends are going to be huge for them. They're going to bring in as many guys as possible, but I don't think they want it to to overcrowd the weekend. I think I think they need to be careful, you know, making sure that they can make every guy on campus a priority. And I think that's why you see some of these offensive linemen are scheduled to visit in May, and some of the and then the others are scheduled to visit in June because you don't want every single guy there in, in June because then you know that's that's when you could run into a. Uh, you know, paying attention to, to certain prospects factor. Yeah, but this is also why it's so important for Ohio State to have six commitments in their class of 2021 that are from Ohio. Exactly, exactly. Because they don't need to to spend the whole weekend with Greg Studrara and or Kennedy Cook or the or Ryan Day. It, ben Chrisman can can take over. They, they spend time with the other with the players because all these kids are arriving at Ohio State. The, the next wave, 14 guys are there early, like Paris Johnson and Trey LaRue. These guys are there already. So there, there's an opportunity to really build other bonds. And um, the goal is to show that there is a different atmosphere at Ohio State and that, yes, it's about elite football and elite comp- competition, but it's also to show that the the things that they talk about when it comes to the the, the family atmosphere that Ryan Day p- preaches and uh, real life Wednesdays and those sort of opportunities get an opportunity to really get noticed and get seen. They also generally try to schedule that around the same time as to do the job fair, um, so a lot of these kids can get in and see the the opportunities that being an athlete at Ohio State affords you um, once you're done there. So. Anyway. Oh, by the way, Berm, it's also a lot warmer in, in Ohio in May and June. Than is it? In is it really? Either either January or November when games and then winter visits are happening. Just yeah. a side note. I, I, that is true. Thank you. And look at you chiming in as the, the new staff meteorologist for LettermanRow.com. Spencer Holbrook, uh, that's him. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff brought to you by Buyers Automotive and Letterman Row. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, folks. We will talk to you again the next time.